Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, first of all, just, you know, 10,000 people, you kind of think, wow. I was had the privilege of, would you believe, preaching in a church of 50,000 in a Muslim. Um, they, it was only took them five years to reach 50,000 people. Wow. That's, that's the kingdom of God. Anyway, here we go. Control Lima Hotel X-ray. Lima Hotel X-ray. Uh, permission to enter controlled airspace to the west uh, for troubleshooting. Um, um, stand by. Uh, yeah, cleared out to the west up to 10,000. Um, what's the problem? It says, oh, I've just got two green lights. Roger. So about 10 minutes later... Control, um, been unable to fix the problem. Um, I'd like to um, see if we can uh, get hold of uh, my, the uh, operator to see if we can um, sort this problem out because I'm unable to reach them. Okay, uh, what's your intentions? Says, oh, look, I'd like to go back to Mariba and uh, see if I can land there, but I've got five hours of fuel on board. And um, so... Uh, I'd like to fly around for a bit. He says, okay, would you like to fly to Cairns? No, not really, um, because if I do, um, I might close an international airport. And um, so anyway, so about an hour and a half later, I'm flying around and people tell me afterwards that all of a sudden, all around the world, computers started to get turned on. Lima Hotel X-ray is in trouble. And... Um, I get a phone call from my boss. What's the problem? You've done all the troubleshooting. You've gone through your manuals. You've gone through my manuals. Okay. All right. Stand by. Now, I'm in dark now because all of a sudden it's dark and I'm flying around and I'm going to be landing in between mountains in the dark. And I get a phone call from my wife. And that's unusual because that's not supposed to happen. Because all of a sudden what happens is your mind goes off the task onto your emotions. And so anyway, so I'm starting to get to the place where I'm comfortable with the aircraft and I'm making an approach, practice approach, waiting for emergency services to turn up. And I'm making the approach, and then all of a sudden, I'm in cloud, which is called IMC. Control Lima Hotel X-ray goes uh, IMC, uh, performing missed approach. And all of a sudden, I hear all these expletives over the, over the airways from the controller, because he's freaking out, because he's thinking, this guy's going to die on my watch. I don't want to take too much of the sermon to say, though, that I did make an approach. And I was about to make, I was on the final approach, and all of a sudden I hear, uh, Lima Hotel X-Ray, uh, this is Mariba Base. Uh, can you see the lights? Yeah, I can see the lights. Roger. And I'm looking at my screen thinking, hold on a minute. Those lights are not where they're supposed to be. 
what I didn't realize was somebody had a little fire in the mountain between me and the airfield. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I've got your lights. All of that to say, I landed safely. No damage to me, no damage to the aircraft. But I want you to realize today that salvation is not just about being saved from your sins. You see, the word salvation simply means to rescue, to deliver, to give you health. That's the word salvation. Sozo means to save you from your sins, to save you from your sicknesses, to save you from distress, to save you from disaster, to save you from torment. So salvation is something that can start anytime. Because the Bible says that he who calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So on that day, I called on the name of the Lord. I remembered my destiny on that day. See, the devil was trying to kill me because he knew that I had a destiny. We'd already at that stage seen 40% of the people group that we were working with come to Jesus Christ. Their lives were turning around. When revival came through, the doctor says, we've got nothing to do because nobody's sick. Because the kids would go, go knocking on doors saying, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Alcohol consumption went down. Because the gospel is hope. And in hopeless situations... Jesus saves. Each of you has got a destiny that God wants you to fulfill. He has a plan for you in the same way as uh, Herod Agrippa, I think it was, tried to kill all the young people so that he could kill Jesus, the king of the Jews. He will try and destroy you any way that he can. The promises that God had given me when I first was baptized in the Holy Spirit and after that were for the nations, not just one nation, but for the nations. And I want to just give you a little bit of the journey so you can understand at the moment we are, we are training five to 700 pastors per month. We are seeing 500 people come to Christ every week. Yesterday I had a phone call from somebody in Haiti. He's saying, I want you to train our pastors. Okay, how many pastors have you got? I've got 150 pastors. Okay, so my immediate thought is he wants some money. So I said, what is your expectations? He says, we want you to father and we want you to, to mentor and we want you to teach and train our pastors. Okay, well, most people when they say that, this is what I write, I'm going to get a little bit blunt at times, especially if I'm a bit tired. Most people when they say that, they want money. He says, no, I don't want your money. He says, I want you to father my people. I want you to, to be a father to the pastors. He says, we've got revival breaking out in Haiti. 
This is we 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 need sound doctrine. So so you know this has all happened in the last year, and I want to encourage you, especially those who are who are over forty five like I am. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah, how old are you? Yeah, sixty one. It doesn't stop. God has got a plan for your life. It doesn't matter whether you do not know Jesus Christ yet or whether you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years until God says, that's it, you come to be with me. He's got a plan, and that plan is exciting. I never dreamed in my my wildest dreams that I'd be preaching to millions of people. Christian and I, we tried to get into Saudi Arabia. I don't know if I've shared this with you. We tried in 1987 to get into Saudi Arabia. 1986, we tried to get into Saudi Arabia. That would have meant that Christine would have had to warn a veil, and if she showed her ankles, it would be a 4 by 2 around the ankles. It would have meant transcribing the whole Bible into my veterinary notes by hand. But God closed the door. The following year, we tried to get into Afghanistan. But God closed the door. Yet in one week, in, in one week in another Muslim nation, I preached to more Afghanis and more Saudis than I could ever have preached to in 40 years if I'd lived there. Why? Because the gifting that I have is different from the gifting that you have. I'm not that good at maintaining stuff. I'm learning. I'm having to learn. But what I do is the grace that is on God that God has given me, which is to start revivals. So now that we've kind of said, well, look, salvation is just simply rescuing, and I think of a colleague who was in the water in Dunedin Harbour in a car. The car was filling up, and Jesus sat down in the, in the passenger seat next to him and says, so what do you want to do with your life? <laughs> he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> He's now serving the Lord in full-time ministry. He called upon the name of the Lord and God answered. Salvation starts anywhere. So what is, why do we, God say God saves us from our sins? Well, he does. He rescues us from whatever holds us in death and whatever holds us in bondage because his plan for your life is life. You see, Jesus did not just resurrect people. And yes, I have seen somebody resurrected from the dead. In fact, I cannot now think of any disease that I have not seen Jesus heal. Any disease process, the last one to fall by the grace of God was a paralyzed man, which I told you about a few weeks ago. Brought in on a sheet, on a mat. First hour, lay there with his back to me. Second hour, 
He put his hand up to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior to save him. Jesus was not just interested in his body to be broken for the rest of his life. That's not what Jesus is about. He wants to give you life and life abundantly. He confessed Jesus as Lord. He believed, he put his hand up, and he believed Jesus Christ is Lord. And that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. And in the third hour, people started to get healed. Backs, first of all. Shoulders, knees. Then all of a sudden, the whole place goes wild as he stands up. Jesus heals him. Another paralyzed person sees that man stand up and also believes in Jesus. And Jesus heals him. We serve an incredibly powerful God who is just wanting us to believe. So before all this, my life was a little bit like this. Oh, there's a UFO. But then one day... I was walking from my place in Egmont Court, for those of you who are from Massey University. And all of a sudden, I just said this, yes, Jesus, you're it. That's all that happened. Yes, Jesus, you're it. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and I knew it wasn't drugs. I knew it was reality, because all of a sudden, the whole creation just came alive. The trees were so much brighter. The creation was gorgeous. Instantly, I was delivered from alcohol and swearing. Drugs took about two months, two years before I was set free of those because I had to learn some things. I had to get rid of quite a lot of my old records like Grateful Dead all that kind of stuff. That took about a year for me to get rid of that stuff because I loved it. So what happened at that point? At the point when I said, yes, Jesus, you're it, I didn't repent. I didn't turn away from my sins. I just believed in Jesus. The repentance process started later because repentance means changing the way you think. It wasn't a problem for me to stop swearing. It wasn't a problem for me to stop drinking alcohol. But I needed to change the way that I think over the next two years about drugs and about music. So what happened at that one? Let's go straight to slide and... Um, you can, I don't know if you put up slide one, but this is, this is in the next 15 minutes, um, 40 pages of notes. All right, so that's what we're going through today. Slide two. Therefore, if anyone 
is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The instant that I said, Jesus, you're it, I became a new creation. You know, it talks about that, that we will go to be with, with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. That's also what happens when you are born again. In a twinkling of an eye, something happens. You're a new creation. But in that twinkling of an eye, a whole lot of things happened. Romans 5 verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The instant that you believe in Jesus Christ, you are reconciled to God. There is, at that instance, there is nothing that separates you from God. The word reconciliation is the word uh, that we derive in both Greek and Hebrew, atonement. I think it's in Romans, yes it is, next slide. I think it's in Romans 5.11. It says, but not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ, he died, so therefore you receive the atonement. You receive it into your body. The reconciling with God happens in an instance. We are reconciled by his death, but we are saved through his resurrection life. You know, Paul, this is outside of my notes and I'm probably quoting it wrong and I apologize if I am. But, you know, Paul in his preaching He says, if we are not resurrected, if Jesus was not resurrected from the dead, then our preaching is foolishness. Our preaching in regard to the gospel, yes, it is important that people understand that Jesus died, but we do not need to go into great detail of what Jesus did on the cross. In Hebrews 9, it's in one of the slides. It says that without the the death of a testator, there is no will. Without the death of a testator, there is no will. You see, Jesus died. Yes, he died to save your sins, but he died to bring in a will. And that will is called the new covenant. So Jesus died to bring in a new covenant, and that new covenant says, uh, talks about our righteousness. Slide 7, Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their deeds I will remember no more. So we have this document 
that was written before the foundation of the world, a new covenant. Because before the beginning, before the foundation of the world, Jesus planned as the Lamb of God to be slain. That's Revelation 8 verse 13. He planned to bring in a covenant that would make us righteous. Our righteousness is us being righteous. Our righteousness is not defined as having right standing with God. Our righteousness is defined as being righteous. That's what righteous means. That's what it says in 1 John, I think it is. You see, your righteousness is not the same as it was with Abraham and David where it is accounted to you on your spreadsheet. Neville, on the day that you repented from your sins, I put a score through your sins of drug addiction and alcohol addiction. No. Because he says in that same covenant, your sins, I will, forgive, I will, I will remember no more. Just like that. It infuriated the Pharisees that Jesus could just simply forgive sins. They were so annoyed at that. They were so annoyed, they're saying, bless me. And I think they wanted to stone him at that point. How dare you say you can just forgive sins? It's too simple. You have to do this and you have to do that. You have to repent and you have to be baptized. No, you just have to believe. Believe in Jesus. Jesus is Lord, which means he becomes Lord of your life, and that he was resurrected from the dead. Because if you're stuck around the cross, then you don't get all the victory that comes with the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Inside of you today is resurrection life flowing that destroys sickness in your body. So how do you become righteous? Well, he just gives it to you. It's really simple. That new covenant says that you get the gift of righteousness. Your sins are not covered over. Your righteousness is not added to your account. No, no, you are given righteousness. You, all of a sudden, you no longer have a sin nature. Oh, Neville, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, I'm sorry, but Romans 7 is talking about those who are of the law before Jesus Christ. No, you're not a sinner anymore. You are a brand new creation. Instead of you uh, walking around as a Christian who is struggling with your sins, all of a sudden you say, hold on a minute, I've been given the righteousness. What kind of righteousness have you been given? The righteousness of God. In our Western mind, we think of law. 
We think of right and wrong. Somebody said to me, says, Neville, probably the greatest addiction in the world today is the addiction of being right. It's true. Spend a year thinking about that one, and it's true. In the Hebraic way of thinking, in the Hebraic way of thinking, it is covenant. That's why he brings a new covenant. And covenant, darling, come up here for a minute. Isn't she gorgeous? I with this ring do I wed. And she replies back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, darling. It is a two-way thing. It's not just one way. It's not just God saying, this is what I'm going to do for you. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, we give him our sins and our sins are no more. doesn't mean we're not going to sin. It means that you no longer have a sin nature. And Jesus gives you his righteousness. In fact, the word of God says the righteousness of God. You have inside of you the righteousness of God, the very same righteousness that existed in Jesus Christ that he was tested in in the, in the wilderness and on that, on, in the Garden of Gethsemane where he struggled and overcame. Why? Because he was righteous. That same righteousness is in you as a free gift. Two Corinthians, slide eight. Two Corinthians five, verse twenty-one. For he made him who knew, knew no sin—that's Jesus Christ—to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The instance I became righteous, something else happened. That new covenant came into effect, yes. That new covenant also says, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Wow. Suddenly, you have been handed, Mitch, here is your adoption papers. That is what the new covenant does. You get handed adoption papers. Well, that's all well and good, Neville. That really excites me, but I'm not really into legal things. Well, praise God, nor is God. He has put the legal documentation into place. But the next slide teaches us Romans 8 verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. 
But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The instant you become righteous because of the new covenant, it allows Holy Spirit to come into you. Boomph. And resurrection life. You are a brand new creation. And resurrection life now flows inside of you. I was reasonably young in the Lord when I saw a person raised from the dead. I was driving down the road as a veterinarian on my way to a call. 36 hours beforehand, I prophesied in the church at the corner where this happened, that they were going to see the dead raised. Now, back then, it was not very common for people to talk about being raised from the dead because if you had raised somebody from the dead, then you were full of pride. Nowadays, it's quite common when you start talking to people, yeah, I've seen somebody raised from the dead. I've seen Jesus raise the dead. And I just prophesied in that church, you're going to see the dead raised. And the place just went, Bleh. just like their faith level went out the window and thought, oh, this guy's weird. 36 hours later, I'm driving past the church. The church is over there, and I see a crowd of people here around a man lying in the middle of the road. So I stop the car and I get out my stethoscope. Well, I stop the car, have a look at him, run back to the car, get my stethoscope, have a listen, centrally focused eyes, blue, no heartbeat, no respiration rate. Yeah, well, that's not looking good. All that I do is I put my hand on his chest as I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next. And I say, Jesus. The instant I say, Jesus, all of a sudden, <gasps> there was no great faith on my behalf. I actually wasn't expecting him to be raised from the dead. But when I declared the name of Jesus, why? Because Jesus is resurrection. He is life. And so whenever you lay hands on somebody, things happen. You see, the anointing is smearing. I feel the anointing starting to come on my hands right now. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
Because he wants that resurrection life not just to be inside of you, which happens when you are born again, when you're reconciled to God, when righteousness brings the Spirit of God into your life. Because when you are legally righteous, then all of a sudden that transformation occurs and he comes inside of you. Jesus prophesied. He said, I tell you what, rebuild this temple in three days. He's talking about you. That's what he's talking about. You're that temple. You're that temple. Yet, thank you. I want to give people the opportunity here and watching from wherever you're watching online. Just believe in Jesus. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. If you've never actually asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, then believe that He is Lord, Son of God, raised from the dead on the third day. And at that instant, you believe that in your heart, that same thing that happened to me can happen to you. You are reconciled to God, you die with Christ. Your sins die in that body because Jesus paid that price on the cross. He became sin so that you might become righteous. He became sin so that you can become a new creation. That's why He died. But it's the resurrection life that God wants to bring into you because He wants to bless you. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5 teaches us that it is the heart of God from before creation to have sons and daughters who would be without blame and who would be holy. Not by their own holiness, but by the simple fact that God in His adoption papers said, I will give you my righteousness. You'll be just as righteous as I am. doesn't mean that you will always do righteous acts, but you have a righteous nature that tends towards you doing righteous acts and convicts you of sin. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.